Welcome back to Money with Mac and G. I'm so glad you're here. Mac and G were a bit under the weather last week, so I took over the helm like a ship's captain, or maybe a yacht's captain, and drove. Last week, we did an initial discussion on Ukraine and Russia and found it fascinating. A bit of history, natural resources, size, population, and the oligarchs. Some interesting comparisons and tidbits of information that I didn't know. However, we just scratched the surface of what's happening in the economy, which is all about money. Okay, we know that Europe and the U.S. didn't want to get involved directly in the war. So they want to put a little pain on Putin as punishment for his plan to take over the power of Ukraine. That was fun. Hey, this is all about hitting Putin and his oligarchs in their pocketbooks. So they'll rethink the invasion into the Ukraine. But we know that other people will get caught up in the pain because it's very hard to be super focused and only hit a couple of people along the way. So let's be very general. The U.S. and Europe would say something like, don't do business with Russia. That means don't sell them anything or buy anything from them. Does that hurt? Well, it depends. If they don't need anybody else, it won't hurt much at all. If they don't need to sell anything to anybody, that doesn't hurt either. But they do need other people. Let's talk a little bit about business from outside of Russia. Like many countries, they don't produce everything like uh, all their medicine. Funny enough, the U.S. imports more medicine than any other country. But if you're in Russia and need medicine now, you have to buy it from other countries. Okay, just like before. However, if you're not allowed to do business with Russia, that means that they can't even get the medicine that they need. Plus, you can't make it because that can be very difficult if you've never done it before. So that's a huge deal, as Russians seem to have already started to buy and stockpile them. That means people buying a lot of it now, so they'll have it in the future when it's needed. There are already shortages of many drugs, and prices are already soaring. Russia also isn't very big on making technology. Technology is a word that covers a lot. We think of computers, but it means using science to solve a problem. Computers are huge for running smartphones, weapon systems, running the internet, trains, cars, medical equipment, and so much more. The computer chip is the brains, and now they can't get those anymore because they don't produce them. They don't make them. They're just out of luck. So the replacement of any computers is going to hurt. That could limit access to medical equipment, fewer trains will run, fewer cars will be available, and much, much more when computers break. Let's say there are some countries that can supply Russia with what they need because they're friends. There's still a huge problem. Let's talk about supply and demand. Ugh. Yeah, I know some people don't like to talk, but I don't like getting technical about this concept. But I do love how it helps to explain money. For normal products, if demand goes up on the same supply, people are willing to pay more because more people are demanding it. When nobody knew about Ed Sheeran, yep, that musical phenom with red hair, there was no demand and you could probably see him for free at a bar. But demand is huge for the guy now, and a ticket to his concert now averages over 150 bucks. Okay, what do you think happened to Russia's money, called the ruble, when all of this happened? Does anybody want their money since nobody should be doing business with them? No! So, the demand tanks, which means it's worth a lot less. Weird to think about money is worth less, but if you're Russian and you need to buy something from another country, 
it takes a lot more. For instance, the rate moves daily, but it has been seen to drop by over 40%. If a video game costs 10,000 rubles, now you'll have to pay over 16,000. Yep, that's weird math, but true. If that's not painful enough, the cost of things made inside the country is more expensive too, due to a word I hate called inflation. Has to do with all of the supply chain issues that we're seeing all around the world. We've seen that in the U.S., we've had inflation that has also spiked. So you get slammed by your money, which is worth less outside of the country and inside the country too. Can you say OMG? So if you know the sanctions will bring a huge change and you can buy a TV today for 30,000 rubles and it will cost 48,000 in the future when things bomb, what do you do? You run as fast as your little feet will take you directly to the bank to get as much money out of the ATM and spend it immediately. That's what happened. Long lines at the ATM. Remember how investors don't like uncertainty? Most large countries have a stock market and Russia has one too. There's a clip on Twitter from March 3rd where a Russian investment expert named Alexander Butmanov has a drink to toast the death of his comrade, the Russian stock market. The female commentator had a look of disbelief. And needless to say, the clip went viral. He says he's going back to dressing up like Santa Claus to earn money. The market was shut down for almost a month, and it literally opened last week with trading on 33 stocks out of the normal several hundred. But if you were a foreign owner, you were not allowed to sell your stocks. What? Who would want to do that? Plus, you couldn't bet on stock prices going down. It's called short selling. Let's just say it's not very healthy right now. Here's something interesting. If you take all the stocks that trade in Russia, they're worth about the same as Walmart. Now, remember the oligarchs? These are supposed to be those in power, but they're really the guys who benefited when communism came down and got really rich when the government had to privatize things. Putin gave away the huge money contracts to his friends, and we need to know, are the sanctions really hurting them? They're supposed to put pressure on Russia and the oligarchs. The idea is, if they got hurt, they'd talk some sense into Putin. But it's not really happening. First, Mr. Putin warned the oligarchs a while ago to protect their money. So these guys have most of it in other countries. It's not in rubles. Nope. It's not in the Russian stock market. Nope. They've invested in all kinds of things from art and jewelry, yachts and real estate, and much, much more. Supposedly, they've bought lots of real estate in places like New York and London and even pushed prices much higher. I've read stories that some suspected apartment buildings in New York are owned by these oligarchs and they're just sitting there, empty. The key word here is suspected. If you have lots of money, you can pay people in powerful positions to keep your secrets. <gasps> Shh! You can create complicated business relationships so nobody will know who owns what. Who, me? Own that? Are you crazy? Ha! Yep, I own it. It's a big game. You may think that we're confiscating lots of these assets. Some of these guys aren't very secret, right? Roman Abramovich, he bought a soccer team named Chelsea. There are also Krasnodar, Bournemouth, Vies Arnhem, Cirque Bruges, all of these teams which are funded or owned by rich Russians. It's like owning the Chicago Bears, New England Patriots, or the Dallas Cowboys. It's a big deal, and soccer is called football. 
right? They've confiscated some of their holdings. They found out where some of these guys have yachts. And if a country is a friend and wants to help, they'll confiscate the yacht. A yacht owned by an oligarch called the Dilber, which is a mere 512 feet, is owned by Alashir Yuzmanov, which is being repaired in a German shipyard. It holds a mere 110 crew members, has two helipads for helicopters that want to land on your yacht. It's the fourth longest in the world and weighs the most of any yacht in the world. It's supposedly worth $600 million. Yes, $600 million. The Germans are our friends, so they confiscated it. Many of the yachts started to move to the Maldives as soon as the oligarchs knew about the sanctions. Some got stopped, others didn't. As you can imagine, the Maldives is a place where they don't seem to want to help us out as much as Germany, so it's harder to confiscate their boats there. Planes were also moving around too. One bombardier jet got confiscated in Germany to an oligarch worth about $1.7 billion. The element of surprise is important, and we did give them a bit of time before we started to go after things. But you can't move a yacht that hasn't been fully fixed, that's just sitting in a boatyard, right? What about real estate? Some have been put up for sale, but it only works if the U.S. knows who owns them. Bank accounts have also been confiscated. The last time we did this against Russians for taking over Crimea, another area, it appears we went after about 250 people, about 500 companies, seven vessels, and three aircraft. And it doesn't appear it was too successful. They kept Crimea, right? Supposedly, there are about 120 Russian billionaires, and it's believed they have more money outside of Russia than all of the other Russian people put together. So maybe they're not being hurt too badly. But you say their stuff is being confiscated. Meh, good point. I'm not an expert, but it appears it is simply being held. The oligarch is still the owner, but it cannot be transferred to anyone or it can't be used. Okay, that's a bit of a bummer. It can't be taken and sold until the owner is charged. Our government can't take it and sell it until the owner is charged with a specific crime and then the asset has to be specifically tied to the crime. These guys are masters at hiding things, so this could take years to prove and doesn't mean it will actually happen. A new potential U.S. law called Yachts for Ukraine is to use any proceeds from the confiscation of yachts to help the Ukrainian people. Nice. A quick note on banking. Since businesses, including banks, aren't supposed to work with Russia, the normal way money is moved around has been crippled a bit for Russians. That means credit cards and getting money from ATMs outside of Russia is harder to do, and it's harder to move around. But it may not be that difficult. If there are Russians who were outside the country when the invasion happened, when the system stopped working, many were stranded. They couldn't get back to Russia as they didn't have money, credit cards, or flights weren't allowed to fly to Russia. Some estimates say that about 150,000 people got hit. Okay, so what's happening inside Russia? Russians have been cut off from some huge U.S. brands as well as many other non-U.S. ones, but no Apple, Netflix, and you can't use your Visa or MasterCard. Have you ever heard of McDonald's? Of course you have! 
they left the country as well as Levi's Jeans. Those two companies were two of the first U.S. companies to come into the country after the Iron Curtain came down. That was the time when Russia kept out the rest of the world after World War I. So companies are leaving, which means fewer jobs and less access to stuff Russians may want and need. But Say you have a manufacturing building and you're part of one of those companies that's leaving the country. You would think you can sell your property to someone else, but the Russian government has announced plans to seize the assets. That means they'll take them if you aren't Russian, and if you leave in protest during the war, they just take your stuff. What do you think happens in the future? Well, I hope you're thinking that businesses will be much more hesitant to come back, if ever. That's very true. If they lose lots of money due to the seizures, they may never come back. It happened in Venezuela when the government seized oil rigs. These oil rigs are how oil is taken from the ground. If you're unaware, Venezuela has been struggling for some time and they continue to deal with one of the most severe crises that we've seen. It's different, I get it, but seizing assets caused a major issue when the country needed help. However, companies didn't want to come back and the situation has gotten much worse, in part from the seizures. Okay, what does this all mean? First, Russia is still exporting about 50% of what they did before, and that has to do with the natural resources, particularly oil and natural gas. It means that things, though, in Russia appear to be much more difficult than before the war. It will set back their economy for probably years. The common person will hurt. There are fewer companies, which means there are fewer jobs. When there is less activity, the overall production of goods is lower and there's less to go around. It will make things tougher on a lot of people, but probably not for the oligarchs in the long term. With rising prices and the falling value of the ruble, access to items is really reduced. People are afraid, and the punishment, which was to pinch Putin, puts others in a precarious position. Only time will tell. Thanks for being here, and we'll see you next week for more Money with Mac and G. Bye!